Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in, in Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today's guest is Linda Ricketson. She's president and CEO of Dental Life Network, a national charitable, charitable organization providing dental care to adults with special needs across the U.S. Linda has spent 30 years in the nonprofit sector, leading philanthropic services and development departments, fundraising at the University of Denver, and as a program officer for Rose Community Foundation. Linda is based out of Denver, Colorado, where she enjoys hiking, kayaking, all my favorite outdoors, and has a passion for writing and reading. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit, um, have you always been in the the, uh, dental line of work, or is that... um, how did you get into this? How did you get into the space and become president and CEO of the Lifeline Network? That's an excellent question. And the answer is no, I haven't always been involved in the dental industry. I have, however, been involved in the nonprofit sector my entire career. Um, I would say just prior to my nonprofit career, I was working in sales and marketing for a five-star hotel company and learned excellent customer service, but also recognized that I really needed altruism in my life and in my work. So I delved into the Women's Foundation from there and have been in the nonprofit sector ever since. But when I was at Rose Community Foundation, I was the program officer who reviewed grants for mental health and dental health. So I learned a lot about the issue areas and became very um, educated about the impact of dental disease, particularly on the overall health of the body. And so many years passed since then. But when Dental Lifeline Network was looking for a new CEO to take over after Fred Leviton retired after many, many years. They reached out to me because of a a project I'd been involved with um, involving some public health dentists and other funders called Cavity Free at Three, which is a program designed to educate parenting and um, pregnant women about the transmission of bacteria into their child's mouth and how to take good care of their kids' teeth so that their primary teeth turn into really quality, healthy adult teeth. And so that's how that all came back around. So it's been about, it's been a year for me at Dental Lifeline Network, and it's been a tremendous year, and I'm really thrilled to to be there. I love how you tied in mental health to dental health. Like, I would have never thought that, right? That, so I, I think about food all the time, right? Healthy food is healthy mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but how does that, how do you think mental health ties into, or good dental health ties into good mental health? That's a great question. I I think um, my work was really disparate buckets of grant requests that I was looking at, but mental health is definitely an impact of poor dental health. The patients that we see have really profound dental health problems, and oftentimes their smile is so impacted that they don't want to smile. They can't eat an apple. It affects their ability to get work. They feel very demoralized, and they feel as though they're not welcome members of society. So having a healthy smile actually means a lot more than just the visual appearance of it. It really does affect the self-esteem of an individual. Yeah. From that perspective, I can absolutely see that. Um, You know, when I was growing up, I actually had two extra incisors 
So I had oh, what wow. they call shark teeth. And, um, <laughs> and I used to get made fun of as a kid because of that. And then, you know, when I had braces and, and they fixed that, now people tell me I have a great smile all the time. And it means I can, I can see how that could impact someone's mental health. Um, I want to touch on, you mentioned wanting to do something altruistic. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, because a lot of a lot of women, they get to a point in their life and not just women, it's men as well. But they get to a point in their life where they want to do something that's less self-serving and more uh, altruistic and wanting to help others. Um, tell me about that for yourself. Yeah, I've heard that quite a bit from people who have been doctors and lawyers. They reach a certain point in their life and they want to give back and in more meaningful ways than just being on a nonprofit board or something along those lines. So for me, it was pretty immediate. I think I just had this epiphany. I was walking home from work one day and I thought, wow, I just sold a bunch of thousand dollar rooms and I feel nothing from it. You know, I haven't done anything to make the world a better place. And so it just was something that just came from within. It was, it's just something that has always meant something to me. I feel as though I've been very lucky in my life to have people who are um, really involved in my life and really have helped me and nurtured me. And it's sort of a extending the hand to the next generation for me. Who, who would you say you're, you said you have a lot of people supporting you and helping you. Who would you say have been key mentors for you in your life? Um, I will say that when I was in my 20s, right after I made the shift to the Women's Foundation, my mother, unfortunately, well, right before I started at the Women's Foundation, actually, my mother passed away. And I found myself sort of in a sea of sadness and not really sure where I was going to be going. And I ended up at the Women's Foundation, which is had a ton of very influential, very supportive, really wonderful, powerful women and they all just believed in me and supported me and nurtured me and helped me to pursue my dreams. And it was unintended that it, that would happen, but it was uh, really wonderful in my life. And I'm still connected to a lot of those women today. That's so great. Not everyone has the opportunity to surround themselves with great mentors. Um, if there's someone in the audience who's listening, who is kind of thinking, well, I don't have any mentors. Where do I go to find one? <laughs> what, what, would you, what would you tell them? That's great. I mean, I think that you can find mentors in a lot of different places. If you're aspiring to be an executive in a marketing firm or something, you can look on LinkedIn and find somebody who is in the marketing realm. And most often people are just willing to give you some time for an informational interview. I think women want to support women. And it's easy to build a mentorship community that way. Another way to do it is through um, association groups of like communication professionals or development professionals. And then mentors will sort of emerge from the field or um, end up being that way. There's also ways to find mentors through more professional programs in development for, in particular. There is the Institute for Leaders in Development, which is a program developed for early career development professionals, five to seven years out, and they get a year worth of training and they also get partnered with a mentor. And sometimes those mentorships last far beyond the one year. Um, the other group I'm involved with, I'm on the board of Colorado Plan Giving Roundtable and they have a mentor protege program. And so I've served as a mentor for many years and stay in connection with, with people that have gone through the program. And it's, you know, that is a free 
extra thing that happens as part of the program. And so a lot of those relationships have lasted. And there are other mentors in both of those programs that extend themselves to any participant in the program or alumni. That's really great advice. You know, um, I've been a corporate mentor for many years, and there's a lot, there's a handful that still reach out to me every once in a while. And it's like, hey, you know what, I'm doing this thing, and I could really use your help, or can I talk to you for a little bit? And I'm always willing to put myself out there and and be available Mm -hmm. to them, because I think it's really important. And, um, you know, once you get a mentor, once you have a mentor, because I have mentors as well that I reach out to, and I think people don't realize once you have that mentorship, it is lifelong, it's not temporary, um, because of, you know, our, our wanting to be that altruistic, you know, fulfilling and reaching, you know, just that connection and offering that and supporting each other. Um, So it's definitely if you're listening to the audience and you're struggling, reach out to a mentor, reach out to people on LinkedIn, they absolutely will help you. uh, And be available to you and and there are formal mentorship programs that you can join um, and networking groups absolutely. And it's not only a benefit to the mentee, it's also a benefit to the mentor, like having a former mentee call you up and say, hey, that advice or that conversation that we had was really impactful and made a difference in my life means everything. Absolutely. I love those calls. Those are my favorite. (laughs) Um, Just I love I love helping someone else be successful. So um, talk, talk to me a little about about being the CEO of Dental Lifeline Network. Um, it's, it's, there's probably, because you said you had never been in the industry, there's probably a lot of new things that you, know, you had to learn in order to, to stay in that role. What were some of those, uh, I guess, challenges or new, new uh, knowledge that you had to, to learn in order to, to take on that role? Sure. I think I needed to learn things on a lot of different levels. First of all, it's a national nonprofit and I hadn't ever been in a national nonprofit before. So understanding that construct and then also understanding the issues that are facing our patients. We provide comprehensive dental care to patients who are elderly, disabled, medically fragile, um, or, and a lot of times that includes veterans. So understanding how it is that they have the need and also how they come to access our care and just understanding the process from the point where they first meet the general dentist that's going to curate the treatment plan to the, through the specialties. And I've been very fortunate that the only issue I have in my mouth are cavities. And so I had to learn about root canals and implants and dentures and a whole host of other maladies <laughs> in the mouth. So that, that was a big uh, learning curve, I think, for me. And where, where did you... Um... Where did you find the drive to do that? Because people think, oh, dentistry is boring, right? Uh, where, do, where do you think, what, what was your why for learning all of that? And where did that passion come from? Yeah, it's, I'm going to sound a little like a geek, but I think that dentistry is actually the opposite of boring. It's really <laughs> interesting. I mean, there are so many things that happen, like particularly with periodontal disease, it can really affect the overall functioning of your, of your body. It can affect your, your cardiovascular health and people just don't really understand the correlation. Um, I used to say when I was at Rose that like the eyes and the, and the mouth just kind of, and, and mental health actually don't belong in the body. And I think that mental health has done a really a better job of getting back in the body, but the eyes and the mouth are still sort of separate. So I think that I feel really passionate about, 
educating people about the connection between overall health and oral health. And I think dentistry is really interesting just because there are so many specialties within the one mouth, like there's periodontists and endodontists, and it's really pretty complex for being a really small geographic portion of the body. Yeah. So it's funny because my kids, oh, I'm sorry. No, I interrupted. Sorry. Well, I was going to say my kids are, uh, one's going to be 18 and I have a 21 year old and I've told them for a lot of years. um, uh, And I tell them now as they go into the world as adults, I say, the one thing you have to remember more than anything is get your teeth cleaned every six months. Like that's just, (laughs) just keep doing that. And I say that because, you know, my parents are Sicilian immigrants. They didn't have dentistry, right, in Sicily. And when they came to America, they never took care of their teeth. Like they only went to the dentist if they had a problem. So they both had dentures and they both had issues and their teeth were rotted. And so I always tell my kids, like, you don't want to be like grandma. Like that's the most important thing is every six months, go go take care of your teeth, like get that cleaning done. And I know they're probably not going to do it, but that's, you know, it's just a a really silly value of mine for my kids that I try to instill, instill in them. Keep that message going. It's really important. <laughs> There's a so, lot that people so, don't know. Yeah. Well, you take for granted what you have for teeth and um, until you get older. And the last thing I want is to have, wind up having with dentures. I don't, that's like one thing, you know, I just, I see what my parents go through and it's, it's not an easy process. It's not, it's expensive. Um, and I see their struggle with it. So yeah. So That's where do you think your, yeah, absolutely. Where do you think your drive comes from? Where, where does your passion come from? I, um, I mentioned before altruism and I just feel like in the dictionary, that's just kind of my drive. Like I, they're, they call it like the helper's high. It's really important for me that to give back, it just feels good to be a good person and to give back and to improve the lives of others in this world. So it's, I mean, once I experienced it, it was like, okay, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to help people. And where would you dress? So a lot of, a lot of women where they lose themselves in the process, where do you draw the line to make sure that you have that good balance of, yes, I'm taking care of myself and I'm not over giving, right? Cause we tend to do that as, as women, we're nurturers and we tend to overgive. How do we make, how do you, how do you make sure that you don't overgive to other people in, in uh, doing what you do? Oh, great. Another great question. I think that particularly in the nonprofit sector, people do tend to give a little bit more than they could. And I've learned that, you know, caregivers really are, um, can be impacted health wise. So it's really important to take care of yourself first. And I think that, um, Having seen that, I just think it's really important to have a healthy work-life balance so that we can show up and be our hundred percent self every day. You've, you know, you see it when somebody gets sick and they don't want to stop working and they're, they're sick for like three weeks longer than they needed to be because of that. And so I think that's just really important to, to have that work-life balance. And I try to model that with my team so that they're also not working too much. We're not we're in a really important industry. We do really important work, but we're also not doing open heart surgery. We do not need to be there for 24 hours a day. You know, families Linda, are what, important. Yeah. 
I was going to jump in, Linda. I said, what are your what are your goals for the foundation? Where do you want to see them go? What is the ultimate goal? Oh, well, that's a great question, too. We we just recently completed our strategic planning process and our operational plan. And so really, our goal is to help more people. We're going to do whatever it takes to reach to more dentists who are who volunteer for our program. We have about 14,000 dentists right now and 3,400 labs that volunteer their time and talent to Dental Lifeline Network to help these patients. And so there is profound need. It's endless. And so our goal really is to increase the number of providers and provide as much dental care as we possibly can to end the pain and suffering of our patients. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, you're doing a wonderful job. Absolutely love it. Um, we're out of time. What what uh, what last minute advice would you give to our audience? I think that it's just really important to maintain connections and build relationships. You never know when those are going to come back to help you in the future and to also be the person that extends themselves in relationship and in mentorship. So I think that relationships are everything and just to know that people are out there and just to reach out and um, we are a network of people to support one another. I love it. We definitely are. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you, Linda? Um, I am L Ricketson at dentallifeline.org, or you can find me through our website, which is dentallifeline.org. Perfect. Thank you so much. Great having you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.